Welcome, friends, to uh, the brand new edition, the 2021 edition of The Shepherd's Voice as we begin a new year together. And we want to welcome to the program the host of the program, the Bishop of Trenton, Bishop David M. O'Connell. Bishop, welcome. Thank you, Jim and Cheryl, and hello, everybody. Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, it was and a it, wonderful Christmas season, and, you know, despite it all, you know, things seem to uh, seem to be joyful and happy. I uh, I had the privilege of, you know, it's funny, honestly, before I get into Whenever I hear that music play, <laughs> like if I'm home, yeah. uh, when I hear it, I start talking. <laughs> Is my, my mic uh, off? No, it's on. Just a little Am bit I more close to it. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's like you hear the music, you know who's here. It's, time, it's time for the mustard. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. You know. You know. <laughs> Ray Poupon. But I was over at St. Gregory's in Hamilton for the 2 p.m. Mass mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. And, you, you know, the Holy See gave all bishops permission to give permission for Mass, because usually it's 4, 4 p.m. is the mm-hmm. earliest. Well, that's what I, because we heard a few churches like that that right. had at the 2 o'clock. One, one 2 o'clock yeah. is, yeah. is uh, I had one, pay, after I gave the 2 o'clock permission, he says, can I give, tw- can I have Mass at 12? I said, don't push it. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I did the 2 there, and we had about 120 people. We're live stream. Yeah. And we had a lot of viewers for the live stream. Not too many children were at the mass, um, and they had they had uh, set up for to have mass simultaneously in the parish hall mm-hmm. for an overflow because they were expecting right. a lot, but they didn't need it. Right. Uh, we had you know we had little music and uh, it was a it was a beautiful mass, and I I was just happy to be with the people. It's good to it's good to see people at mass mm-hmm. again. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I left from there pretty much right away, and I went down to Point Pleasant. I have a residence there, as you know, and uh, and I had the midnight mass at St. Rose in mm-hmm. Belmar, and that was uh, beautiful. That's a beautiful church. I love that yeah, church, yeah. and uh, it's not a big church. Right. We had about, I would say, maybe 100, mm-hmm. but we had a lot of people who watched it live stream. It was mm-hmm. live stream, and uh, so I think— uh, Given the live stream and giving all the opportunities, although the the pastors and the parish priests are telling me uh, attendance was much lighter mm-hmm. uh, throughout the diocese, for mm-hmm. Christmas, and we expected that, uh, given the 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 uh, all the the commentary on the news and the warnings and everything mm-hmm. that we and were the weather didn't cooperate Christmas Eve either. It was pretty That's nasty. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I think it was worse up here. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too bad down oh, at, okay. uh, down in Belmont. I even stayed. I was in Metuchen. Of course, we had midnight mass. I did not drive home. Oh, I mean, did you stay up there? It was just torrential rains. Oh. I thought really, I'm not... it was that, it yeah. wasn't that bad down mm-hmm. at the uh, down on the shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was raining when I left the church, but uh, then I went over to the house. I got home around two. Mm-hmm. I can never go to bed right away. You know, right. I, I like looking at the tree on Christmas Eve. You mm-hmm. know, so one one night that I leave the lights on all night. Me home. too. I do too. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. So I watch a tree a little bit and had a little something to eat and went to bed. And then the next day it wasn't raining. It was overcast. Yeah. But uh, I started my cooking. You know and. Uh, I spent the the whole Christmas period down at uh, Point Pleasant Residence, mm-hmm. you know, and it's beautiful down there and lots of cooking. You know, I, I use the, this period of time. Sometimes you see two priests, three priests will come over and we have meals during that week and small groups of friends. A lot of Netflix, <laughs> binging, <laughs> binging and watching, some reading yeah. and it gave me a chance to catch up on some writing. You know, I 
I do a lot of writing, and I, I mm. wanted to. It's quiet there, and I right. have a, I have a regular office set up there, so I can. Oh, that's good. I can do that. One or two priests wanted to see me about things, and uh, so and I have a I have a nice chapel there. You know, the the the, the Point Pleasant residence used to be a convent, it belongs to the diocese, mm-hmm. and right. um, and it was vacant for about twelve years. Mm-hmm. And so when I first came to the diocese, uh, I kind of stumbled upon it and uh, asked the pastor if it was used. He said no. So I said, well, how about if I rent it from you? And uh, we continue that to the, the present day. And mm-hmm. Done a lot of work there in the house. And uh, Father Jason, who was my assistant for so many years, he's a very good handyman. And so he did a lot of fixing and painting. He still mm-hmm. does. He spends a lot of time there. Uh, and it's a, it's just a nice, good mm-hmm. place, and it saves me the wear and tear when I have confirmations oh, on that sure. side of the diocese. The diocese of, is very, very <laughs> spread out. It's sure, expensive, it's, right. it's extensive diocese, yeah. and yeah. so, uh, but I, I enjoy it there. And uh, the little chapel, I have the Blessed Sacrament, mm-hmm. so it gives me a little time for a little extra prayer mm-hmm. and all. A little retreat, really. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a kind of mini retreat, mm-hmm. you know, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did much too much eating and talking uh. for it. <laughs> well, reading. we might need a new segment like, you know, cooking with cooking the bishop. With the show. Yeah, this go. could go places. <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody made me for uh, New Year's pork chops and sauerkraut and potatoes, you know, the mm-hmm. traditional dish, which I made, I cooked down at the down in Point Pleasant mm-hmm. for a group. And uh, I, I made soup out of it. And someone said, how did you make soup? I said, well, I used my mother's traditional vegetable soup recipe. Okay. And then I just put the uh, sauerkraut and pork chops and potatoes into the ninja, (laughs) ground it up, put it in the soup, and it was really great. The whole house, you could smell it. was like a perfume in the Uh house. Uh So I ate, and she this is making me hungry now. (laughs) I missed lunch today. Us too. And it sounds very healthy. Hearty and healthy. It's hearty. Yeah. And I start take the decorations down this week. You know, yeah. you love putting them up, but Jay taking them down. Because right. let's get the official word. We're still in the Christmas oh, season yeah. still until still the Christmas season, and that's why I leave the tree up. Mm-hmm. I take you know the now we know the old calendar went to February second. Yeah, yeah. But still, liturgically, we're still season, Christmas, yeah. right? Well, you know, somebody said the other day, and I knew that was incorrect. And and uh, you know, I don't proclaim to be the uh, the the know it all of all things liturgy, but. And liturgical calendar. She said, well, Christmas lasts until Ash Wednesday. I said, I really don't Yikes. think that's right. That's, I mean, never, that's never been the case. Yeah. It's been the case that people leave their trees up till February and March. <laughs> that's right. But that's never been the case. No, but no. till the presentation of the Lord. Yeah. You know, we have, uh, we have uh, you know, officially or uh, theologically— uh, the feast of the baptism of the Lord, which is this weekend, this coming weekend, is mm-hmm. the is the uh, official end of the okay. Christmas season. Mm-hmm. At Christmas, the church celebrates. It celebrates the human birth of the Lord Jesus, the Word made flesh, to Mary in Bethlehem, and she's the mother of God. And so we honor her with an additional feast, celebrating her uh, divine maternity. And then we have another feast in the Christmas season where Christ the Lord is made manifest to the nations, represented, of course, by the, by the wise men, the adoring wise men, in the solemnity of the Epiphany, which in the old calendar is the circumcision of the Lord. And then the feast of the baptism of the Lord this Sunday. That's considered 
The second epiphany, it's not officially called that, but you know, as you think of it theologically, the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord again reveals Christ's divinity and, uh, and his mission. Mm. You know, in the Eastern Catholic churches, you know, they use the term theophany. Those are epiphany and theophany are two Greek words, meaning appearance uh, of the Lord uh, or manifestation of the Lord, revelation of the Lord, epiphany or the revelation of, of God, the theophany. Mm. Uh, the manifestation of the Lord is, is, is the Western Catholic tradition, you know. And although it's celebrated within the Christmas liturgical cycle, the event that's commemorated, uh, that will be commemorated this Sunday in the Feast of the Christ's Baptism is separated from his birth by many, many years. Jesus is an adult at this point. And he's meeting John the Baptist, his cousin, and he's submitting himself to John the Baptist's practice of baptism in the Jordan River. And here in, in this Sunday's feast, in a very dramatic way, Jesus is revealed again as the Son of God. We hear the Father's voice, this is my beloved Son. We see the, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove mm. descending uh, upon him, as is told in the Gospel. Now, the term baptism of the Lord, when people hear baptism, they think of christening or they mm -hmm. think of the sacramental baptism that we use in the church and celebrate in the church. But it's a different meaning for the baptism of John in the Jordan than what we are accustomed to using. This baptism of John, is, it's a baptism of repentance. And he told the people as they were baptized to repent of their sins and, and to look forward to expect the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. And now John's baptism the focus of it was repentance, and it was a, a symbolic representation of changing one's mind, you know, and going into uh, a new direction. You go into the water, and you come out of the water, a new person, you die to yourself, um, confessing their sins. That's what they did and acknowledge, and we see that in the Gospels, Matthew, and so on. Uh, however, Jesus had no need of repentance. So you say to yourself, well, why did he go through this? Why did he do that? Well, Jesus in his life is always showing us the way. And even though he himself didn't need baptism, any kind of baptism, and he didn't need to repent of any sin because he was sinless, he did want to give an example to us and also provide the opportunity for God to be manifest, to be revealed, and for God to reveal his sacred mission, which began after he emerged from the waters of, of the baptism. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting, isn't it? You, John the Baptist is called uh, the last of the Old Testament prophets. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, of course, ushers in the New Testament, the new era. But here, just like at the uh, visitation, the Old Testament and the New Testament meet. John in the womb, Jesus in the womb, they meet. And they meet again in the flesh at the baptism of the Lord. Old mm -hmm. and New Testament yeah. meet together and in a new page is turned. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus emerges from the water, the beloved Son of God, and his mission continues. And so it's appropriate that as we uh, have Jesus baptized and move on in his mission, that, that we use this also as a fitting end to the Christmas season, to the time when the revelation, the expectations of the Messiah are fulfilled, so the Messiah is revealed. Now he goes about his work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we speak of it as the end of the Christmas season. 
And what, what, what comes after uh, the Christmas season? What comes after the Christmas season, boys and girls? <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? Ordinary time. Ordinary time. <laughs> With the Christmas season behind us, Catholics enter into Get this. out the green. Yeah, they enter into this, uh, this period that's mm-hmm. known as ordinary time in the church's liturgy. Cheryl, you know that as a mm-hmm. liturgist and musician. And now in the vernacular, when we use the word ordinary, uh, we use it kind of to describe what's commonplace, you know, every day without any uniqueness or special distinction. The fact is that ordinary time, it makes up most of the church's calendar year. It's roughly 34 weeks. It begins uh, after the baptism of the Lord, and it ends with the feast of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, the first and the final Sundays. And the, the Lenten or Easter season, like Christmas before it, they kind of are an interruption of ordinary time. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to use that word, but for lack mm-hmm. of a better, better term. Uh, and, of course, during the year, there were individual feast days and, and solemnities that appear in the liturgical calendar, also interrupting the, just the flow of ordinary mm-hmm. time here and there. The expression itself, ordinary time, uh, as I said, it, it really doesn't mean what we usually think of when we think of ordinary. It, it really comes from two Latin words, ordinalis and ordo, which are... Uh, uh, references to numbering. Mm-hmm. And the point of the ordinary time is there's a numbering of the Sundays that follow the Christmas season until the Feast of Christ the King. What takes place in the church's official prayer, and that's the Mass, the Scripture readings that are used, other official prayers, the Divine Office, the breviary that priests and deacons and, and, and lay people use and celebrate. What takes place in the official prayer of the church is anything but ordinary. You know what happens in the unfolding of all of these things at Mass and Scripture and, and prayer? Really, what we're looking at after Christmas until the end of ordinary time to the feast is the whole life of Jesus Christ. Mm. That's what's being shown and demonstrated and revealed. And although there's an order to the number of uh, Sundays throughout the year, as you know, reading the scriptures and the gospels and the different things that masters, there's no particular order to that. You know, you might have you might have a reading from at the end of Jesus' life, and then the next Sunday you have a reading that takes place much earlier in the the story of mm-hmm. Christ. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the order there is in the numbering of the events, and that's why it's ordinary time. You know, we have three cycles. Uh, I think people may know that they may not, you know, for Sundays, Sunday readings, cycle A or year A, year B, year C. There's a different set of readings each of those three years Mm -hmm. that is used. This year, we're in cycle B, 2021. During the weekdays, there are two cycles, two cycle years. There's cycle one, year one, or year two, Mm -hmm. and we're currently in year one. Now, this arrangement, these revisions, in the church's liturgical calendar were made, of course, at the Second Vatican Council when the church reformed and revised the liturgy. Catholic churches and communities, however, that celebrate the extraordinary form, they used the old calendar, the calendar mm-hmm. before the revisions that came out in mm-hmm. 1970, so they maintain it. That's why in the church's revised calendar, Sunday, last Sunday was uh, Epiphany, but in the extraordinary form, and those who follow that, Epiphany was on its traditional day of January 
the 6th. Right. Mm-hmm. In so fact, the, at, at St. Magdalene's on January 1st, you celebrated the circumcision. Right. It was Latin, one we Latin mass. We had an extraordinary form mass. And they celebrated the circumcision of the Lord, which is— Yeah, we had that right. It's the circumcision. Right? It was January 1st, not January 2nd. I think I might have said it was January 6th, but it's January 1st. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was that feast that was transferred or translated— Later into the feast of Mary, the mm-hmm. the mother of God, right. I, I I had to tr- try to explain it in the uh, in the monitor in some mm-hmm. uh, in some format. Um, but a, as you know, the the you said Jim, it's a green time. You know the vestments that the right. priest and deacon use are are green in color, and green represents hope in Christ's resurrection, and that characterizes every day in ordinary time. There are different colors that are used. People notice that to different seasons. In mm-hmm. Advent, we wore violet. Mm-hmm. Lent, we wear violet. Violet is a sign of repentance, penance. Um, the third Sunday of Advent and the third Sunday of Lent, of course, we wear rose. It's mm-hmm. a burst of, mm-hmm. of hope. joy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I always just hope that Lent's almost <laughs> over. But, <right? laughs> we're at the midpoint, but it's, uh, it's used. And then white, of course, for... Uh, feast of our Lord, mm-hmm. and feast of saints who aren't martyred in special, special occasions, and uh, uh, green, as I said, red for masses like a Palm Sunday, masses of the Holy Spirit, and masses of saints and apostles, uh, in particular those who were martyred, mm-hmm. red the color of blood, and so on and so forth. And black sometimes you see black worn in the old church. You know, I remember when I was a boy serving mass. Uh, the unless there was some other special occasion, the, the priest wore black almost every single day, mm. celebrating a mass for the dead. Really, and, you know, and uh, some priests still use the black. It's still a valid liturgical color, although it seems to have been diminished in the practice. I so, see that. Um, well, I have a very traditional pastor, and he'll wear. He's got a beautiful cope, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all Souls, and I guess All oh, Souls yeah. Day. Oh yeah, All Souls Day the, and yeah. different different days like that. And, yeah. Other occasions, I've, some of our priests uh, do continue to follow that uh, tradition. Of course, it's it's prevails in the extraordinary form communities and the extraordinary forms use, not so much now in what is called the Novus Ordo or the Paul the Sixth mm-hmm. revision, but it still may be used anyway. Mm-hmm. With all, all of that in mind, the Catholics should use the ordinary time, this time coming to us, really to deepen their faith mm-hmm. in the Lord Jesus Christ, to get to know Him. More and better through the scripture reading, uh, through understanding the Word of God, taking advantage of things like our program here mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. the year, which provides so much wonderful uh, education and, mm-hmm. and, and commentary on, on spiritual life and life in the church. And they should use the time for prayer and spiritual conversion. The ordinary time should be an opportunity to make progress in putting our faith into action by mm-hmm. doing Good things, works of charity, showing respect for others, you know, showing respect uh, for human life Mm -hmm. in all its stages, Uh, supporting marriage and traditional marriage and Mm -hmm. family as we celebrate and respect for the environment as our common home and and really a personal witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we do in the ordinary time, which is the bulk of Mm -hmm. of the year. Where I know I was kind of meditating on this now, that all of the political stuff seems to be being determined, having been determined, that people will get away from all of that, you know, the, 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 the conservative talk shows and all the politics and just come back 
to the truth and come back to what you really need yeah. like this and 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 just personal spirituality you know yeah. just to be able yeah, to I read I read, I read a little article in uh, the National Catholic Register mm-hmm. you know there's so many Catholic publications and right and uh, websites and blog sites or whatever mm-hmm. they're called you know some of them are not so good some of them actually right. do a disservice to the Catholic Church right. although right. they right. use the name Catholic um but there was an article in, in, online in the uh, National Catholic Register that said we should call this year the Year of Truth mm-hmm. and really should work on trying to get people back to a sense right. of what's true yeah. Amen. and not what's a caricature. You know, th- what happened this week, earlier this week in, in Washington was, uh, was devastating. I mean, it was disgraceful. And it was really a, a terrible assault on all that we stand for and believe as, mm. as Americans. And uh, I, I, I think most people, not all people, but most people were horrified when they saw the attack on the Capitol. You know, I lived in Washington. For right. I was going to say that must have been very close to yeah. your heart. You were Watching down the that, street. How often yeah. I walked through that Capitol, those same places where oh. I was looking at the pictures mm-hmm. of riders and breaking chairs and windows mm-hmm. and all of that. It just... Didn't seem possible. I it guess. was no. It just didn't seem possible. You know, it's funny, not funny, but it's uh, it's interesting because I, I I put something on our website, really asking people to pray for mm-hmm. an end of violence mm-hmm. and injustice, and I didn't get into any more detail than that. I didn't right. think it was necessary. Everybody knew what I was referring to, and, right. and I quoted a, an ecumenical prayer that I had found uh, devoted to that intention. Uh, but true to form, in this world in which we live, <laughs> there are those who are criticizing those who are praying for oh. an end to right. violence, which I just said to myself, I can't right. believe this. Yeah. And they were saying, oh, well, you know, the people didn't pray for an end to violence in the Revolutionary War, and they didn't. I just say to them, I just shake my head sometimes. It just, yeah. You just got to go forward and do what you think is right and right. hope that uh, people will understand it. Yeah. And so I posted that a prayer online, and I hope people will pray for an end to violence, and somehow we'll get ourselves out of this terrible mess that we're mm-hmm. that we're in. But maybe what it's maybe it's what people need to realize that their faith is the most important thing. That they all that other stuff that goes on, and all the distractions, and all the the, the dissension and division, to come back to the truth and come back to the church. Because I, I would imagine, Bishop, that this is a a concern, I guess, of pastors. Will the people come back after everything is over and the dispensation ends? Yeah, it is a, it is a concern. You know, of course, I like to call myself a realistic optimist or mm-hmm. an optimistic realist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I know we probably will lose some. Some will not return. But I'm, I'm hoping in general that in our parishes and throughout the diocese, through my efforts certainly as bishop and um, my pastors and priests who will be working with me and the deacons and the lay people who have particular responsibilities for evangelization, will will work to try to uh, to excite people once again to mm-hmm. return to the church and to celebrate. And, you know, the COVID just rages on and just seems like this is never ending. Uh, but I you know, I uh, I don't think that we're going to see, like in Lent and Holy Week, the same types of uh, restrictions that we see last year. But I really don't expect that this that we'll be beyond this COVID by that time. So, yeah. I have a um, 
I have a task force. Mm-hmm. It's chaired by the vicar general of the diocese, Monsignor Gervasio, and it's a group of pastors, very fine pastors, uh, who get together and they help to advise me on on directives. You know, when I give out the directives, like we did it before, we did it for Christmas, we did it for the uh, in this for the summer. You know, once the churches started to open and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're meeting actually, even as we speak today, they're, they're having a meeting to, to come up with some guidance that we can use that I can send out or approve and then send out to the pastors and the parishes for blessing of throats, which nobody thought of the other day when I first mentioned it in a meeting. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, we have to have something for the blessing of throats. Oh my goodness. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, <laughs> it's right around the corner. That. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, you as you know, the people come up, you put the blessed candles right. around you're their face throat, to face. and you're yeah. face to face. So um, there are ways that that can be, we can continue to bless the throats without that Long kind of... Long candlesticks. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be great? Get a big <laughs> candlestick. Um, but uh, that's not the essential part of the rite. It's the prayer, the prayer of St. Right. Blaise. Right. You know, St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr, right. which we all have memorized. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll tell you a little funny story. So... I was living in New York in a big house of priests. We had about 35 priests, and several of them were tired and old. And <clears throat> one of the priests, uh, the uh, individual who distributed the mail, noticed when he went into one priest's room, he could see his feet sticking out on the other side of the bed, mm. had fallen out of the bed. So he, he panicked, and he went and he called. He called down the corridor for a priest to come. Uh, and so uh, he actually hadn't fallen out of bed. He he was still in his top coat and, and suit. He had come in the night before and had a stroke. Oh. Oh. And he sat and he just sat there beside his bed, couldn't call out or mm-hmm. anything like mm-hmm. this. Well, anyway, one one of our old priests who was never assigned in a parish, he came running in with the holy oils, and he put his thumb in the holy oils to anoint this priest. Mm. And the prayer he said was, through the intercession of St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr. <laughs> he didn't say the prayer for the anointing. The intercession of St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr. <laughs> so the superior walked in. And he said, Father, what are you, what are you doing? doing? And he looked at him and he said, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> so that anyway, it was the blessing of the, uh, of the candle with the candles and the, mm-hmm. and the ashes. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, you know, some people, they come into church, they don't go to Mass, they just come in for the ashes right. and they leave right. uh, so they don't get the whole context, the liturgical and the scriptural context. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, some parishes have had the ha- habit or the policy of putting the ashes out in a bowl, and then during the day, rather than having people ringing the rectory doorbell, they go in, they can communicate the ashes in their cell. Well, this mm-hmm. is not... That's not a good idea, and right. I don't even know if it's permitted, but that's right. done. Right. Just because something isn't permitted doesn't mean right. people it's won't not do it. Done. So but especially you, this year. Well, you we don't can't want do it. Yeah, I've been yeah. thinking that about Ash Wednesday. I forgot we, about that. We don't even have holy water yeah. in the right. Fa- right. water fonts right. for that reason, you know, people touching and so on. Yeah. So, you know, there there's a way to administer the ashes, and this is what the task force will decide or recommend. You know, you can either use the Q-tip like we're using for confirmation, oh. which is perfectly valid despite the arguments of some mm-hmm. it's a we have the approval from the holy see and they're the ones that make the decision mm-hmm. not some blogger mm-hmm. right. <laughs> uh, uh, so we could use a, a q-tip like we do for confirmation 
and as people come, say the prayer, and then as people come up, just make the cross mm-hmm. on their forehead. Some people want that cross on their forehead. They want a big cross. But, you know, in, in other parts <laughs> of the world, they don't do that. They they sprinkle ashes, like the Holy oh. Father. If you notice, uh, you see pictures of Pope of John Paul mm-hmm. and Pope Benedict mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Pope Francis. The, the, the cardinal is just sprinkling ashes over the forehead mm-hmm. and saying the prayer. So that's also a possibility that mm-hmm. there's no... No touching, physical that's contact. True. But we'll once we once we come up with our our plans, we'll we'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll publish them and and make them uh, make them known. But I I'm just I'm still very frightened of the uh, of this COVID. You know, it's raging, and you know, but ha- have you noticed? You know, it depends on the television station or mm-hmm. the 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 on the the dot com that you look at right mm. uh, what what is the story you know what what's the truth you know uh, i check with the cdc i check with the new jersey health mm-hmm. commissioner who mm-hmm. is a member of the diocese from time to time mm-hmm. and i raise those questions and i take advice from people who are who are competent and expert in these areas i'm just listen to you know joe blow who come yells at me across the fence oh blah, blah, blah. Right. you know right. you try to get some real sense of of what the what the facts are the numbers are devastating when you look at them you know here mm-hmm. in Trent, almost 20,000 deaths mm-hmm. in new jersey mm-hmm. at Trent, in the state of new jersey right. mm-hmm. and people say oh well you know as many people died of the flu that's not true mm-hmm. 34,000 died of the flu that's through the whole country i'm talking about almost 20,000 just in new jersey mm-hmm. so this right. is a really right. scary time you know over 350 million People mm-hmm. have, uh, or three hundred fifty thousand people have died of, of the COVID, uh, throughout our country. In the country, not million, but thousands. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and uh, the fact that now it's winter, see, so we're all shut indoors. That you know, you, you're, you need that fresh air. You need the air circulation. It wasn't so bad in the summer when people were all outside, but now we're inside, and you got to keep those the air filters clean. Mm-hmm. I know in our church. They're changing the filters constantly, and they don't have the heat way up. They have windows and doors open to, for the ventilation. Oh, sure, sure. So maybe when spring comes around, we'll you know get back outside, air out the homes and the buildings, well, so. and maybe then it by you know it'll start fizzling away a little. You know, bit. I I I I open the doors and windows even now, even though it's cold, because mm. right, I I. Uh, Old Scrooge here. I turn the heat off during the <laughs> <laughs> during the day, and uh, uh, but I I, uh, uh, I like to air, even though it's just me. Right. I I'm, uh, live by myself in here in the right. Princeton area, but uh, I think it's important to keep the ventilation. And I've said that to the priest. You know, I mm-hmm. I keep hammering away, you know, like a broken record. The masks, the distancing, the occupancy limitations. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not. In most cases, not a big deal because people are under the occupancy limitations mm-hmm. in most mm-hmm. of the parishes. Yes. Um, the sanitization of the churches mm-hmm. in between masses, and that's a big thing people don't always realize. You know, that takes a lot of time. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't we have the usual mass schedule? Well, we can't. We and it's not, no reason. It's not because we want not to have it. Mm-hmm. It's because we need to do. You're the, wiping down the you're pews wiping and spraying down, things. Or some people have companies come in with these super duper machines right. that are right. able to do this cleaning. You know, I have one, we have one or two parishes that have this. They purchase these kind special kinds of lights. Oh well, yeah, UV light or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and 
they're able to do it very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. We'd have guys come in. They look like Ghostbusters. You know, they have these huge <laughs> backpacks with some sort of liquid and a giant hose, and they spray. But it, they say it takes 20 minutes for that spray to dry. Mm. So that, too, to have the masses, not that you come in and sit on a wet pew because they spray everything. And I oh, said, yeah. please, watch my music area because oh, yeah, they be came careful. and they sprayed all my books, and all the oh. pages now are all, like, crinkly wet. But that's okay. We learn by doing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. One of my directives that I sent out, you know, it's not unique to the Diocese of Trenton, but— uh, throughout the country is about uh, not using hymnals right now. Right. And not having missalettes in the pews mm-hmm. and not having bulletins, parish bulletins, which is a biggie. Mm-hmm. People like the bulletins. You know, a right. lot of them look to the bulletin. That's where they get their information. Mm-hmm. They need something to read during the homily. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, same. <laughs> Especially mine, right? But that's where they get their uh, their edu- education right. uh, mm-hmm. in the bulletin. And, and the bulletin is a great can be a great teaching right. tool. Right. Um, but, you know, we're told by the CDC and other experts that the COVID can stay on paper for 24 hours or up to five days. Mm. And so we've kind of asked the parishes, not all have listened, but we've asked all the parishes to to use the electronic media to the extent that they can Mm -hmm. and not to be passing things out in the churches. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the bulletins are, uh, the bulletins will come back, but right now we are trying to confine it uh, to um, to the electronic media. Mm -hmm. But not everybody has or uses computers, especially maybe some older people. Some older people have surprised me with the how sophisticated their yeah. use of computer and live stream and all of that stuff. Right. They're way, way ahead of the time. But uh, so the bulletins will come back. When they'll come back, uh, I can't say right at the present time, but as long as as long as long it's possible that these, these uh, the COVID can be carried on paper for up to five days, you know, I'm a little hesitant because it's still a risk. Mm-hmm. You know, if there was a way to develop so that people – could take the bulletin as they're leaving church, not as they're coming in, but mm-hmm. as they're leaving, mm-hmm. and they don't leave anything in the church. They take right. it and take it in their car, and off right. they go, go and mm-hmm. get rid of it at home. And um, you know that might be a possibility. But anyway, we're we're working on all of those things. Um, and again, I say to people, this is not this is not the kind of uh, these are not the kind of things we want to do. You know, I feel sorry sometimes for the pastors and the priests. People yell at them and scream at them. Right. As though we invented uh, all of these practices as a means to torture the faithful mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. punish the faithful, mm-hmm. you know this. We're doing we, what we can as an act of charity for the faithful and right. for one another, and and please God and keep praying that uh, and keep doing these things, the masking and all of that. Right. Hopefully, these things will resolve themselves sooner, as our governor says, sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. We, we hope. We yeah. hope really yeah. sooner, you know, because I'm sure everybody's just getting so. We're weary of it. Yeah, fatigue, what they call COVID fatigue. They're getting so fatigued. But don't give up. Don't give in. Mm -hmm. Do the right things. They really are acts of charity Mm -hmm. for one another. And and charity begins at home. They're acts of charity for yourself. Be Mm -hmm. careful. Protect yourself and watch out. And we will get back to to our normal way of life. Mm -hmm. You know, I wrote an article uh, when this whole thing began. And it was an article saying, 
I don't like the expression, the new normal. No, mm-hmm. me either. I don't believe in it. Mm-mm. And I said, all this is, is the new, na- the new now, the new right now. But the, it's not the normal. It's the abnormal. It's mm-hmm. the, and so we will hopefully come back to our normal practices and, and work on that. We have the vaccine. And, of course, you know, like everything else, no matter what happens in today's world, you have those who criticize and protest and react against it. And uh, people have raised questions about the vaccines that are gradually becoming more available. You have the Pfizer and the Moderna uh, and, uh, you know, the, the Holy See, the Vatican Congregation for Doctrine of Faith, which guides us. Uh, has sent out uh, an instruction saying that despite the comments of some, the vaccines are morally permissible. Mm -hmm. You may take the vaccine. And, of course, the issue comes up, well, you know, the vaccines are made from uh, cell lines, from aborted fetuses. That goes back so many decades to the original use of that. Uh, So much time has passed, uh, and... There are no alternatives mm-hmm. to the vaccine. So the Holy See has, has clearly established you know, uh, uh, its decree that these vaccines are morally permissible. You don't create a vaccine by intentionally aborting a fetus and using it. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is the use of cell lines from decades ago. Right. And the Holy See uh, has indicated. And the Bishop's Conference has published, it seems almost every day I get a, uh, a new instruction from the bishops' conference, but it's the same message mm-hmm. that the vaccines are morally permissible. It came up in the priest council the other day, and uh, one of the, the one of the priests had said to, "Well, you know, the w- people are circulating these uh, the word that the vaccines are not morally permissible." I said, "No, well, the Holy Father has said it. He's encouraged people to be vaccinated. The Holy See has said it in the Congregation of Doctrine of Faith. The United States Conference of Bishops have said it." Right. I have said it in in publication, so uh, it seems pretty clear that those who have the responsibility for making the authoritative determination, which is not bloggers and websites, mm-hmm. right. but mm-hmm. the Holy See, the Church, have made the determination. Right. You know, it's interesting. Anytime the Holy See comes out with anything, or the Bishops' Conference out comes out with something, there's one or two bishops in the United States who always be, you can count on them speaking against it. Right. And that creates confusion, you know. It creates a lot of... Not only that, Bishop, but it also puts doubts in people's minds about everything that a bishop or a holy father or a pastor may say if you question something. What I see is... How do we unify? You know, when there's a couple that have to swim the other way, like we don't see as a unified group, you know, one holy Catholic unified group. Mm -hmm. There were many things in the church uh, that are subject to differences of opinion legitimately. Mm -hmm. People can, can, you know, people prefer the extraordinary form to the mass of Virgin of Paul VI. Mm -hmm. And they can prefer that, and no one can say, well, you're wrong, or this Mass is better than that Mass. Right. It's the, it's the uh, institution of body and blood of Christ, and it's the celebration of the Word of God. Right. So there are, there are legitimate differences of opinion or preferences that are out there. But on, on, on the, the important matters in the Church, the doctrinal matters in the Church— Faith and morals. And I mean, the this moral is... <laughs> matters of the Church— 
in the social teachings right. of the church. Mm-hmm. These are not up for grabs. Mm-hmm. And there's just people that just don't get it. And they, they caricaturize the Catholic faith and Catholic teaching really to satisfy or suit their own particular mm-hmm. preferences. And some of these, even some of the bishops, you know, who who express their opinions very forcefully on a number of things, like we saw during the election. You know, we're not supposed to endorse candidates. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know I got a lot of letters from people. I should condemn this candidate right. or endorse right. that candidate. And I'm sure that kind of thing is going to continue in the year ahead. Well, now especially, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, in the year ahead. But, uh, you know, we're not supposed to do that. And right. I refuse to do that. I'm not going to take a political position. And, I'm, you know, I'm a public figure. And I'm not going to make my opinion or my point of view. I'm not putting it out there because I don't want to risk influencing people, uh, you know, unduly. Mm-hmm. That's just the way. That's the way it's always been. And not not to not to punt on this, but consider. Let's. I mean, Mr. Biden will be the president. He is professes to be Catholic. Is that between him and his bishop? Period. His it's situation. Him and his God, really. You know, mm-hmm. I I had a call the other day from a newspaper. Uh, I didn't speak to them. Through the communications, you know what does, what does your bishop think about the fact that uh, the new president is a Catholic? You know, I don't vote for people because they're Catholic. Mm-hmm. I don't care what religion right. they have right. or profess mm-hmm. or denomination they profess. I vote for people because I'm Catholic, mm. and that the, if they represent what I believe to be the important and the right. Decisions and interpretations of the Constitution and the law. That's I've, that's the I'm not voting for a pastor, mm-hmm. you know, or a minister. I, I'm voting for a president or a senator or a governor mm-hmm. uh, because they are going to lead and represent uh, uh, the law, the civil law. And I hope that their faith will influence them mm-hmm. uh, in the decision. But I, you know, I don't vote for people because of their religion. I for people because of their competence right. and because of what I believe matches what they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, then I don't vote for them. I vote yeah. for someone else. But, oh, the letters I got, it just, you know, you, after a while you just get tired of of the, the harassment. I, I really feel Well, you know, like, Bishop, I have to say this. I think people have become so um, um, influenced by social media and the the ability to attack and, and to criticize and to point fingers and judge through social media that it, it just bleeds over into their – this is just the way of life right now. And not just social Never media, used to be that way. the media. Yeah, I the look at how media. some of the media treat, you know, the politicians and, and different people out there, you know, whether it's the newspaper or a television interview – they're they're crass, mm-hmm. you know. And, and we call them to be charitable and, and yeah. to yeah, that's gone by the wayside and civil. You know, you asked the question about uh, earlier about the president elect. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, from my point of view, you know, I hope that he takes his faith, his Catholic faith, seriously, as I would hope that his predecessor took his faith serious, his religious faith seriously, and the ones who came before that. President Bush, whom I knew personally, was not a, a Catholic. He was, a, a, I believe, a Methodist uh, for most of his adult life. And I, I had a couple conversations with him about his religious faith, and he had such great respect for the church. But he lived what he believed, mm-hmm. and that's what you hope for. Right. Okay, you hope that, the, that a person's faith is going to influence them 
to do the right thing, to do good and seek peace and follow after it, as the Psalms mm-hmm. say. So, I, you know, I just don't get into discussions about political things, and I'm not going to get into discussions about them. You know, I have my own political opinion. I voted for somebody. Mm-hmm. It's no one's mm-hmm. business who I voted for. It's my business, and mm-hmm. my reasons are my business. Mm-hmm. And I hope everybody follows their conscience, their informed conscience. Right. And they look for the candidates who represent represent what is right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we believe we have a, a conviction of the truth of the Catholic Church and of our faith and our beliefs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It's a time for civility. Mm-hmm. It's a time for charity. Uh, you know, these things abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. We can't forget that. It's a lesson of our Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about the pro-life? We got pro-life this yes. month. Yes. What's going to be happening now for the 22nd? Will they march? Will there be buses? Well, they're, 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 they're not going to march on the 22nd. That's a decision that had already been made. And I think it's probably because Washington is going to be busy that Still, week. Okay. I think Wednesday is mm-hmm. the inauguration. Right. Probably try to separate it. But the 22nd is the actual anniversary of the Roe v. Wade, fateful Roe v. Wade decision. 48 years. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe, you know, and, Think of all the millions and millions of innocent lives that have mm. been wiped out because of this plague of ours and, mm. uh, under legal, mm. uh, the legal, legal. Uh, I mean, I will know the word to use. And I got myself worked up here. But <laughs> just the Roe v. Wade was a, it's a nightmare, national right. nightmare, yeah, and continues yeah. to be. And we seem to be making some progress. But on the 22nd, to get back to your question the 22nd the god bless you the various dioceses or churches uh will be doing things and here in the the diocese of trent the march for life which is scaled way down including the the usual vigil in the national shrine the Mm -hmm. the national Shrine school you know they have to follow the the uh, restrictions in this in the district of columbia which are very strict right Mm. And probably going to be even more, even so, more so in light of what just happened mm-hmm. you know, in terms of observation. But uh, uh, the di- there will be a scaled-back march and commemoration of the decision on January 29th, Friday, mm, but not on January 22nd. However, we'll be doing this. The diocese is not sponsoring buses. Mm-hmm. Because of the coat, you know, you're three or four hours in a bus right. with the <laughs> right. windows closed and the heat on, and right. everybody on top of one another. Yeah, that's just right. that's a nightmare waiting to happen. Uh, so we'll we'll follow on TV. I think probably on EWTN they will they will televise January 28th and 29th, mm-hmm. whatever is being done in Washington, the right. vigil, a mass. I mm-hmm. think Archbishop Nauman, the head of the pro life will say Mass mm-hmm. at the usual time mm-hmm. on the night before the march, whatever yeah. form the march takes. And I think Archbishop Lori of Baltimore, who's the incoming pro-life chair, will say Mass the following day. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in the diocese, you know, I, I have been sp- speaking and, and have announced and published and asked the priests to say so in their parishes, you know, that we say the Mass, to say the rosary all of this month with the intention to end abortion. I believe so much in the rosary and the power of the rosary of our blessed mother's intervention. And so I invite everybody to join with me and one another in praying the rosary till the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
uh, I, I've written a prayer, a novena prayer to St. Joseph, since this is the year of St. Joseph, to end abortion. And so that will be published, hopefully, on the diocesan, or on the parish websites, but it's going to be available on the diocesan website, asking everybody to say this prayer and, you know, the traditional Our Father, Glory Be, and Hail Mary, mm-hmm. uh, January 14th through the 22nd. That's a novena to St. Joseph to end abortion. On January 22nd, the actual anniversary date, all of the New Jersey dioceses have committed, the bishops of those dioceses have committed to uh, to request the faithful to use that day as a day of prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to do that on the 22nd. Uh, I'm asking the priests of the diocese on the 22nd to celebrate Mass for the legal protection of the unborn in their parishes, to Mm -hmm. use that day. Mm -hmm. Uh, There will be a Mass celebrated in the cathedral at 9.30 a.m. prior to the march to the State House, which has has been initiated in recent years, Uh, and people are invited to attend that Mass. There will be no Eucharistic procession, though. Mm -hmm. I received the request to allow the Eucharist to be carried in procession to the State House. I can't guarantee that there will be proper respect, proper protection for the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. The Eucharist in procession is for the worship of the Eucharist and not for some particular cause here. And every mm-hmm. time there's a cause, we put the Eucharist in a car and drive through the streets. You know, mm-hmm. the, the Eucharist is there. We'll have a Mass before the, the rally to the State House, and that's a time when before our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament if you receive him, if you're Catholic, or if you're not Catholic, just to, to use that time to pray. Uh, so there will be a Mass in the Cathedral on the 22nd, 9.30 a.m., followed by a March to the State House. People can gather in the parking lot, assemble, and say prayers and sing hymns in their, their, their March to the State House, but it won't be a Eucharistic procession. Uh, as I mentioned, January 28th, 29th is the vigil. Mm-hmm. From Washington on January 29th, I'm asking all the parishes to celebrate a Mass of Thanksgiving to God for the gift of human life. That's another format of the Mass, another liturgy that's set aside. And I will broadcast Mass on that day since that's the day of the actual March. So we're doing mm-hmm. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. uh, just to look to the website, the, the, the Monitor website and the uh, Diocese of Trenton mm-hmm. website, those are websites that you can trust. Yes, <laughs> you don't have to worry. There's going to they're going to be right nutsy cuckoo stuff. That's right. Well, that's important <laughs> these days because that's that creates most of the problems. The, the sources of information for people will uh, establish what their opinion is. And, Absolutely. You know, if you're getting if you're getting erroneous information or as yeah, you say, cuckoo information. To be able to have confidence in the information that you get that it's not some kind of a. That's right. You know, and as you say, you know, we encourage everybody to be civil. Right. To be caring about one another. Uh, this year is the year of St. Joseph. Mm. We have three parishes in the diocese St. Joseph's in Millstone, St. Joseph's in Trenton, St. Joseph's in Tom River. Mm. Diocese is in the process of playing some special events throughout the year. We have beautiful statues and altars of St. Joseph at St. Catherine's Church in Spring Lake mm-hmm. and uh, in St. Michael's Parish in West End mm-hmm. and in Tom's River. So I'm going to designate a particular shrine or mm-hmm. set of shrines because there's uh, indulgences this year attached to prayers of St. Joseph. Um, and the the month will end, and the next month will begin with Catholic Schools Week. 
It's a wonderful celebration. You know, in the diocese, we have 30 primary schools, 11 secondary schools, two schools, two independent Catholic schools that mm-hmm. are not run by the diocese but are, are uh, influenced by it, and then one Catholic school, uh, Trinity High School for Girls, uh, that is a school in the Catholic tradition. So we, we celebrate and highlight the accomplishments of our students mm-hmm. and our schools, our teachers, our staff, our parish priests, the volunteers, the donors, but especially the parents who mm-hmm. make the sacrifice to come to Catholic schools. Right. You know, our Catholic schools, how many times have I said this on our program, Catholic schools are struggling. Mm-hmm. They're struggling to stay afloat, and that's true everywhere in the country. I just heard mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, 10% drop in attendance at Catholic schools wow. this year. Oh. Uh-huh. Now, how much of that is COVID-related? Sure, I'm sure. not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're, we've been hit hard with the COVID. Our schools have been hit hard and yeah. hit hard with other things, and we're struggling. Uh, you know, we continue to evaluate the sustainability of our Catholic schools in, in the diocese. And sadly, uh, this year we have realized that one or two of our schools are not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so we will uh, probably be announcing at least one uh, the closing of one, and mm-hmm. you know this, I can't tell you how much this hurts me. It mm-hmm. breaks my heart as an education uh, priest sure. you know, to have to close a school, but we just don't have the resources right. to keep it open, and we right. don't have the enrollment yeah. to keep right. it open. Right. So, despite that sad reality, Catholic schools are great. They have it all, as I say in the diocese mm-hmm. all the time. So that's uh, that's where the next month will begin. So. I think uh, I think I've said everything I can think. Well, you're, you're right, <laughs> and, right, right you on know, time. I always got a lot to say, right? <laughs> but right on the edge of s- talking about ordinary time, then listen to all the beautiful things, the rich treasures yeah, in our faith. It, there's nothing ordinary about it. No, we're so fortunate. The Catholic Church is a is a blessing to Amen. all of us who are are lucky right. enough to be part of it. And and to those who aren't part of it, it's a blessing as well. Right, mm-hmm. and we're reaching a lot of people. So, Bishop, thank you for uh, sharing that uh, wisdom with us today and your teachings and information. Look forward to seeing you again next month. Great. Happy New Year, everyone.